Hello, welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And I hope you're ready to get your toes tingled, your spine chingled, and to be scared. And if you're not ready, turn this off now. Yeah, no, 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 you're not going to like it. Turn it off. Come back when you're prepared. That's right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, we started something last week that we're going to continue into this week. Yes, we'll continue it as long as we... As long as we get them, as yeah. long as we're able, basically. As long as you keep us well fed. Yeah. We've been getting correspondence from listeners, from viewers, telling us their own paranormal experiences. Yep. Last week, we told you Dolores' story of a doppelganger. And this week, we have a story from Annabelle, longtime ah. friend of Willie and Chrissy. That's right. All right. So here we go. Maybe I should have you read it because it's kind of long. Really? Yeah. You know how I. You know how you're afraid of reading. <laughs> I stumble. Uh, okay. Hi, Kristen and Wool. Wool. <laughs> I'm doing much better than you would have. Do you want to turn up the brightness? I think it's because it's like getting later at night and I have that thing. Yeah, maybe I, I accidentally think it's dark out and I'm like a bird. And I'm well, no, but I, I'm used to it. But maybe it looks like really dim to you. Okay, here you go. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, I know you mentioned that you liked hearing and discussing ghost stories, and there just happens to be a ghost story that has been passed down my family for three generations now. Love the idea of I like, do too. this is the Annabelle's family ghost story. I know. Yeah. When my mom and my aunt were both preteens, they would go down the street to swim at the pool, and my grandmother would expect them home at sundown. One day at the end of summer, my grandmother had the back door open to let in the evening air. She was home alone listening to the stereo with the volume up just enough for it to be heard a couple of rooms away. The story goes that suddenly my grandmother hears an unfamiliar man's voice yell, turn that damn music down. She looks out into the backyard and sees a man's head looking over the concrete block wall that separated the backyard from the busy city road behind the house. The man was old. He looked frail and had unkempt white hair. His eyes were wide, set deep in an angry expression. My grandmother quickly reached over and turned down the music. When she looked back, the man was gone. She sat in confusion for a moment, and then she realized something. In order for this man's head to clear the top of the back wall so easily, he had to have been very tall. Like, taller than six feet tall. She estimates that his height had to be an inch or so taller than seven feet. That's so tall. It's basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like unhealthy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have like giantism. Right after coming to this conclusion, my mom and my aunt burst into the house and stood in front of my grandma trying to catch their breath. They were really flustered so and good. they began to quickly talk over each other. They explained to my grandma that they had been walking on the sidewalk on the other side of the block wall and had the worst feeling come over both of them. They later described it as a deep feeling of dread and fear that made them walk quickly at first and then made them break into a full sprint. Neither my mom or aunt said a word to communicate during these moments, but they both seemed to know that they needed to get home fast. My aunt says she heard a dog panting as if it was following right behind them. My mom doesn't remember hearing anything, but she also says she felt like someone was following them. My grandma asked if they saw the tall man. They said they hadn't. To this day, they all agree that both experiences happened within the same two minutes, and the busy city street behind the neighborhood 
uh, wouldn't have offered a seven-foot-tall man any place to hide as the two young girls passed by the back of the house. My family is very stoutly religious. They don't talk about ghosts or the supernatural, and this story took a lot of time to get, uh, to get out of them. Everyone feels very uncomfortable talking about it, I think because it causes so much cognitive dissonance. I stayed in that house during my last semester of college, and I could never bring myself to spend too much time in the living room that overlooks the back wall, especially when I'm home alone. I had to sleep there one night when we had out-of-town guests over, and it always felt like someone was watching me. Ugh. Annabelle. Man. I don't know what that is. I know, Some but it don't sound good. Yeah. There's like an the Omen-esque dog. Yeah. following her mom and aunt. Now, I think I've said this on some previous shows uh-huh. that the one sole paranormal experience I think I've ever had mm-hmm. that I, you know, and I'm hesitant to ever mm-hmm. call it actually paranormal. The one thing that like I definitely experienced it was that I was walking home, like walking from the driveway into the house. I mean, yeah. and I heard like a sigh, yeah. a very breathy, like, <sighs> right behind my head as if somebody was like breathing in my ear. Yeah. That was the first thing I thought of when I read about the dog panting. Right yeah. Behind him yeah. Yeah. And also there's something about some sort of like, I don't know, ghost or specter or any kind of creature that's not actually like human being really, really tall. Yeah. Oh yeah. That is very chilling. Um, I emailed Annabelle back that, that like tall things like that freak me out. And it was a movie I'd seen. I can't remember if it was It Follows. Is there a really? Yeah, yeah she, she was, pointed that out yeah. in one of the emails. Yep. She was like, yeah, there's a scene in that movie where they're like looking down a dark hallway. Yeah. And then a very tall man comes yeah, lumbering remember. into the room. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, terrifying. Oh, man. Um, William, for Supernatural Things, what about that time with the ring? What time Where you ring? you couldn't find the, a ring or something like that? Oh, my wedding ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it was all of a sudden out. Yeah, and then something similar happened to me very recently. What was that? Because you pointed it was it out. Um, the t- the five dollars falling out of the tree. That's right, five dollars f- fell out of the Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, so I had lost my wedding ring. Mm-hmm. Could not find it. Yeah, and uh, I looked all over the place for it. I, you know, anybody out there who may have misplaced their wedding ring at some point may be familiar with the panic of being like, "What do I do now?" Because I don't yep. want my wife to be like, "How did you lose the?" ring i'm thinking like maybe i could buy i was literally thinking like maybe i should buy a replacement or get rid yeah at uh, ali had my ring uh inscribed yeah like, oh, gotta get it inscribed again like, yeah oh, it's the same oh, blah, blah. Man. and then one day i came home from work and walked in the living room and like dead center yeah in the middle of the room on the ground not surrounded by anything was the ring yeah that i find weird just sitting in the middle yeah of the room. Yeah. So, but that seems like a, a helpful ghost who completely was like, oh, you were you you couldn't find this, and like Patrick Swayze scooping yeah. his pennies around the subway, maybe they yeah. could just like <laughs> inch that yeah. ring yeah. into the center of the floor. I wonder how far they had to inch it. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows where it originally yeah. was? Yeah, but yeah, I think of that as being a paranormal thing. Yeah, that you experienced. Yeah. Um, I do also want to call this out. I wanted to say this on yeah. last week's show, and I completely forgot. Yep. You and I mentioned in a, a, a recent episode how somebody commented on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash talkbomb, and said something that I thought, because I'm very naive. <laughs> I don't think it's that you just read it wrong. I don't. You're not really naive. I could be pretty naive. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was vaguely complimentary. What the comment was, was on one of our videos, which yeah. the YouTube version of the show, granted, does not get 
nearly as much attention as yeah. the audio only version. For most people, I think this is a traditional audio only podcast. Yeah. But we do do the video version. Right. On youtube.com slash talk bomb. Doesn't get as much play. Right. Comment said, too bad this video didn't get many views. <laughs> and I responded in this like I I don't, I don't feel Wait, like did you actually is, respond to that? I did. I don't feel like I didn't this know is that. characteristic of me necessarily. Oh. I was very optimistic and I went uh Boy, you know, yeah, it would be nice if it got more views, but you know, we rely on our viewers to to help spread the <laughs> I word. I either don't remember that or I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, so then I brought it up on a show recently, and Kristen and a bunch of people were like, "That's yeah, definitely an insult." Yeah. So we just got a comment on one of our videos recently that I wanted to call out before I forgot to. I apologize. Thank you so much, Lauren. It feels <laughs> yes, like thank you. you. You know, tell me if I'm wrong. It feels like you commented this directly as a rebuttal to that other person. The comment says, I, for one, love this show and watch it every week. So <laughs> the I, for one, makes it sound like yeah. it's in response to the other guy. It definitely seems to be in response yeah, to that which other guy. It's fine by me. <laughs> Too Thank bad you, Lauren. doesn't get many videos. Yeah. <laughs> many views, whatever. Yeah. And you're like, I know, right? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a little boy. <laughs> so, yes. Funny. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, for real. It. Thank you to everybody who says nice stuff about us, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Uh, we could use some reviews. Yeah, we really could. <laughs> now, having said that, let's get to the topics. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Hit it. You go first. I'm going first? Yep. Kristen, I said it in a previous episode. I saw it up there. And I'm doing it. I saw it up there. It's time to talk about The Shining. Yeah. Now, this movie, yeah. directed by Stanley Kubrick, based uh-huh. on the Stanley novel. Stanley Tucci. By Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who, for some reason, if you're not familiar with The Shining, mm-hmm. it is the movie with Jack Nicholson yep. and uh, Shelley like Duvall and Tony. <laughs> yeah. I was being Jack Nicholson. Who is the little boy who lives all around Tony? Danny. Oh, <laughs> who lives all around Tony. It's a really funny way to put that, but well, yes. Because Tony's a little <laughs> right. boy that lives in Danny's mouth. Right. Anyway, they go to this this hotel in Colorado to yep. spend the winter there as the caretaker. Bunch of stuff goes crazy. Yeah. Psychic stuff is happening. Yeah. I bet that helped maybe one person who's been in a bomb shelter right. for the past Or somebody years. very young who's like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, doesn't know film history. Yeah. So I should say, everything I'm about to tell you is a big fat spoiler for The Shining. Yeah. Because I'm going to be telling you about some of the fan theories yep. about what The Shining means. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie, then you know it's very cryptic. Mm-hmm. It is not very uh, forthcoming with what the purpose is, mm-hmm. uh, with many of what the like themes are, yeah. what the ghosts are up to, if there even are real ghosts. Right. In the movie, it's largely, uh, it seems to be a Rorschach test. Yeah. You can see whatever you want Mm -hmm. in The Shining. Yeah. And to that end, there are many people who have developed. They see all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some fascinating theories that sometimes feel plausible. Some theories that absolutely don't seem plausible. Yeah. But are very entertaining. Mm -hmm. So I want to sort of, because I'm a big fan of the movie. Encapsulate a few of them. I would love it. Here today. And maybe we can just sort of jaw about it. <laughs> Please. Oh, I'm ready. They're weird. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So once again, spoiler alert, go watch the movie if you have to. Do you talk, you'll tell me, obviously, do you talk about the weird um, erection thing in that one scene? Uh, I was debating whether or not I should. Uh-huh. So um, some of the theories that I'm going to be talking about are based on, I think they all show up, to be honest, in the documentary 
Room 237, mm-hmm. which is available online. You can go find it. Um, it is a documentary about the fact that people have a lot of theories yeah. about secret messages hidden in this movie. Yeah. Um, it is very fascinating. I know many it's people. It's a great documentary. I personally love it. Yeah. I know a lot of people who have watched it and uh-huh. I'm like, well, I wish I could get that time back. Yeah. Because it essentially amounts to people telling their own personal theories, mm-hmm. which can never be conclusively proven. Right. But many of them feel like they're outright mm-hmm. definitely wrong. Right. Um, however, if you're a fan of the movie, if you're a fan of like film theory mm-hmm. at all, if you're a fan of film, yeah, uh, there's a lot to get out of the, the movie. Yeah. To me, it plays as like an amazing... Uh, distillation mm-hmm. of the power of film. Mm-hmm. And that's dorky to say, but I'm a big film that. fan. Yeah. And uh like I have spent many nights as a as a younger man. Yeah. Like watching movies all night, mm-hmm. uh watching mo- the same movie three times in a row, mm-hmm. then putting the commentary track on mm-hmm. and going to IMDB, just like researching. You watch it three things. times in a row before the commentary track? Yeah, sure. <laughs> just like loving every yeah. you know, every frame. Mm-hmm. So that side of me loves hearing people just yeah. be passionate about movies. Yeah. Um now of course having said that. I'm going to pick the craziest one to start. Yeah, yeah of course. Stupid. And yeah. So let's talk about the erection thing. Okay. All right. There is something weird going on in The Shining. Yeah. About, about Jack, Jack uh-huh. Nicholson, about his character's mm-hmm. sexual orientation. Yeah. It does seem to be a fact that as he is waiting to have a job interview mm-hmm. with the, the manager of the Overlook Hotel, mm-hmm. that he is sitting in the lobby reading a magazine. And if you freeze frame it and you zoom in, many people have done this, you can find it online. Yeah. It appears to be an issue of Playgirl magazine, mm-hmm. which would feature nude men. Mm-hmm. Now, Jack is going to the Overlook with his wife and son. Right. And not that it is out of the realm of possibility for him to be both into men and women yeah, totally. at the same time. But it seems like that may be some indication of a, a form of repression in mm-hmm. that character. Mm-hmm. If you watch the movie, you know he's a powder keg from yeah. like minute one. Yeah. So that is an odd... Although how much are you repressing it if you're bringing Playgirl magazine with you to a job interview? Well, yeah, good point. Like, But here's the thing. Like, why is that there? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. decisions like that aren't accidental. No, totally. Stanley Kubrick... <laughs> Kubrick was so deliberate about everything. I'm sure you're going to talk about it, but yeah. yeah. So um, there's a theory posited in room 237 that Jack goes into the job interview mm-hmm. and uh, Stuart Ullman is mm-hmm. his name, the manager. He's sitting behind his desk and he rises to greet Jack. And the voice of the theorizer kicks in here and yeah. goes, now if you pay attention, Stuart Ullman stands up, walks around the desk to come greet Jack and stands a little bit further away from him and stretches his arm out to shake Jack's hand. And it's funny. It's a very funny joke. And Kubrick, uh, it's very plain to see. He obviously put this in there. Mr. Allman is standing in front of a paper tray, and the paper tray perfectly lines up with the crease in his pants, forming a very obvious erection pointed directly at Jack Nicholson. Right. It's a joke. He's like, it's a joke, people. Come on. <laughs> Kubrick is trying to have a little fun with us, okay? Lighten up. 
Now it's a documentary. He's talking yeah. in like a recording booth to right, no right, one. Right. First of all, I hate the insinuation <laughs> that my reaction immediately was one of I like, know. oh, that's repulsive. Yeah. For him to then come at me with like, it's a joke. Lighten up, stiff one. How do you know I don't love it? Yeah. Yeah. Don't like that attitude. Also, I mean, he's just standing. It's it, insane. It's so stupid. There's it. You would never. Well, I guess somebody would think of it in a million years, but I don't think that was a deliberate move. It's the loosest. It's like the biggest stretch in the whole movie. Totally. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to follow it up with one of the other craziest stretches. I'm going to leave yeah. the coolest one for last. Cool. All right. right? All right. So there is a whole theory about the Overlook Hotel. Uh huh. Jack Nicholson and his family yeah. as being a retelling of the story of Perseus and the Minotaur. Yeah. I knew you were going to go to this one. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I love this one. Yeah. I found it very entertaining, even though yeah. I did not believe it. Exactly. It's really far-fetched. Like, when she's explaining it, you're like, eh, but it's still, it's cool. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, People who are familiar with The Shining, one of the big pieces of iconography is the fact that outside the hotel, there's this gigantic hedge maze. Yeah. And in the climactic moments of the film, Danny, the young boy, is running in the snow, in the maze, mm. away from his father, who's yeah. chasing after him, lumbering after him with an ask, ask <laughs> an axe. Yeah. Going, Danny! That is so scary. Very scary. Oh, God. Danny eventually uh, pauses in the snow realizes he's leaving footprints behind him. Jack can just follow them. Yeah. It's a maze. Yeah. So he knows the right way to go if you follow the footprints. Right. So Danny steps backward through his own footprints. Yeah. And then it's jumps the part's off so to the side. so sweet and like sad it to is. me, that part. Yeah. Because he's deliberately in this moment trying to trick his dad into yeah. getting lost in this maze. And it's smart. It's very smart. Yeah. And it results in his father freezing to death mm-hmm. in the maze. Yeah. Now this echoes the story of Perseus and the Minotaur, mm-hmm. the Greek myth. Perseus has to go into the labyrinth yeah. where the Minotaur lives. And if I have this correct, I believe he brings like a ball of string, uh-huh. ball of yarn, and he's able to find his way back out. Yeah. So uh, that loosely mm-hmm. is part of the idea. Mm-hmm. However, the theory goes way further yeah. to suggest that, yes, there's literally a hedge maze outside, but the Overlook Hotel itself is the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. The entire, mm-hmm. this entire structure yeah. is this mechanism that they are all trapped in. Yeah. It's weaving hallways that lead to different places randomly, yeah. seemingly. And some of the coolest theories about it are the impossible architecture. Yeah, I love. Of the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of establishing shots of the hotel, trying to give you a sense of each part of the hotel that these people are going to live in for the next few months. Mm-hmm. And in uh, a shot where Jack is walking through to go to his job interview, he has walked in through the front doors. He turns to the right. He turns to the left. He turns to the right again. And he finds himself in the office again of Stuart Ullman, the mm-hmm. paper tray sicko. Yeah. Now, Mr. Ullman behind him has windows, uh, you know, looking outside. Yeah. However, many people say that his office according to the route that they take, and you watch these characters walk through the hallways, yeah. would be somewhere in the middle of this building. Yeah. It would not be against any of the walls. Mm-hmm. There would be no windows looking outside. Right. So what is that window behind him? It's like a Winchester Mystery House situation. Exactly. Yeah. It is the impossible architecture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The construction of this place is not what you would think. Right. Very fascinating. Yeah, it's awesome. Yes. Like the... um. The thing about Danny riding his tricycle during that part, like if you uh-huh. were to follow his turns and everything, that wouldn't all and, and it's showing him going into different rooms, maybe even different floors or something like that. Yeah, it on wouldn't, different floors. Yeah, on different floors. It wouldn't work 
Like yeah. it doesn't, the route he's taking, you wouldn't be able to do that in a smooth loop. Yes. It's not possible. Yeah. There are these like slow shots where you're yeah. just, the kid's just riding his big wheel. The camera follows him as he does a complete circuit of the floor. Yeah. And in one, it's just like a perfect, like he's making 90 degree turns at each of the four corners. It's yeah. a rectangle. Right. And then in another one, he's like making like left hand turn, then a right hand turn, then a left hand turn. And it seems to be in kind of sort of the same spot. Yeah. So how is it a completely different layout? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. And it's just like, it's supposed to, well, probably just like, you don't really notice if it's something somewhere in your brain, you're registering that something doesn't feel right. It just adds this whole off kilter thing that's throughout the whole movie. Yes. So sweet. And that is a a whole other thing that Mm -hmm. isn't really part of these theories, but there are some people that say that uh, Stanley Kubrick changes certain things just to give you a feeling of being unsettled. Yeah. With you not even realizing it necessarily consciously. Yes. And some of them could be chalked up to um, Mm -hmm. actual, they'd be in the goofs section. Right. of IMDb. Right. Um, uh, continuity errors. Right. Jack's sitting at his typewriter and there's a chair against the wall behind him. Cut to Wendy. She says something. Cut mm-hmm. back to Jack. That chair is gone. Yeah. I've heard people say that that is supposed to be, you know, The Shining is a very classy haunted house movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So instead of having a chair like hover in the air and be spooky. Yeah. Instead, he just has objects sort of move. Yeah. Quietly. Yeah. And, and not even really acknowledged. Yeah. yeah. Love the idea. Yeah. Uh, however, I don't know if Stanley Kubrick really is above having continuity errors in a film. I think that I, I think that the the thing with him running his big wheel could be on purpose. Yeah, I think that's possible. Um, yes. I think the chair is an accident. Yes. Yeah. There's also a character who's either named Charles Grady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Delbert Grady. Yeah. Depending on who's saying his name. Right. And that's too obvious to be like a subtle yeah. tweak that just like on a subconscious level gets you. Feels like, like a mistake. Feels like a mistake. Just feels like a mistake. Yeah. I know yeah. that people like to, you know, talk about Stanley Kubrick as mm-hmm. he was obviously a master, yeah. masterful filmmaker. Yeah. But uh, making a film is a very complex process <laughs> with a ton of moving pieces. Yeah, of course. Mistakes happen. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, People who love the movie find ways to uh, work those mistakes, weave yeah. them into their theories. Mm-hmm. Um, so along with the the Minotaur thing, mm-hmm. uh, there is somebody who claims that there is literally a Minotaur in the movie. Danny is in a playroom. There is a poster on the wall yeah. <laughs> advertising for some sort of a skiing yeah. expedition. Yeah. It says the word monarch yeah. on it, and it features a skier, just the silhouette of the skiers, and the sun's behind them. The skier is completely in shadow, 100% yeah. in shadow. It is obvious that this person has their knees bent, kind of sort of to the side. Mm-hmm. Now, that ends up giving the effect that their torso is very long and their legs are very short, Yeah, and the theorizer in the documentary Room 237 goes, it is obvious that that is a minotaur. A minotaur is usually depicted as having short, hooved feet and a long torso, and it's definitely, intentionally, and obviously a minotaur. Yeah. Not saying like, oh, it, that's a skier that kind of looks like a minotaur. Saying, yeah. no, that's they intended that to be right. a minotaur in that poster. Right, and I think that in the documentary, they do an effect where they outline what I mean, could be the shape of a minotaur, and it's like, not really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is amazing. Yeah, totally. The documentary is so good. Uh, it really is. Um, there's a theory that the movie is meant to be watched backwards and forwards. Uh, obviously, Danny, at a certain point oh, in the movie, yeah, I Tony that. takes over yeah. and draws in lipstick the word red rum. Uh-huh, yeah. When you look in a mirror, red rum becomes the word murder. Yeah. So there are now people who have taken the movie and projected it onto a wall. Right? Yeah. So they're playing it forwards, and then they have another projector that is playing the movie backwards, Projected onto the exact same place, 
running backwards. Yeah, so yeah. So that you're seeing the end of the movie overlaid on top of the beginning of the movie. Uh-huh. And so this is another method Sounds for like a headache to, and a half. Absolutely. Yeah. However, I also love the idea. Oh, me too. I would like to experience that. Me too. Uh, and it sounds like just a way for people to go like, did you see that? Yeah. Jack peeks through the door at the same at moment himself. that Danny is standing on the toilet looking in the mirror. Yeah. Definitely means something. Yeah, totally. You know, like, it's a theory yeah. farm. Yeah. It's like you can pull whatever you want out of it. Yeah. Although I have heard that there are kind of cool like images that you can see. I bet. Dick Halloran having like a horror oh, show man. in his head in bed plays on top of something spooky something. happening. Ooh, that's cool. That I don't recall. Yeah. Uh, there are people that theorize that it may be an allegory about the Holocaust and uh, what hap- what we did to uh-huh. the Native Americans. Yeah. Um, like the blood that rushes out of the yeah. elevators, people say, is meant to represent the bloodshed mm-hmm. against the Native Americans. Uh-huh. Evidently, the number 42 pops up frequently in the movie, which uh-huh. is the year that the Nazis started to enact the final solution against the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there is a scene. What's that? No, I, I just... I still can't believe things like that. But it's just happened. fascinating. Like, no, I, I no, 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 no. I don't even mean that. I mean that it happened in real life. Oh, yeah. Just you saying the final solution made me just have a second of like, what? I know. Anyway. Yeah, it yeah. feels impossible. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I know. So um, there's a scene in the movie where uh, there's a transition from the Torrances standing in the lobby talking to Stuart Allman. Now all three of them are there. Yeah. They're about to start their stay. Mm-hmm. The hotel guests are leaving for the winter. Mm-hmm. And there is a group of people standing in the background. Yeah. Sort of clustered together. Yeah. And then Stanley Kubrick transitions. He fades out of that scene as he fades into the next scene uh-huh. where that group of people was standing in the background is suddenly replaced in the new scene by a stack of luggage. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And so that seems to be perhaps some yeah. sort of uh, suggestion of like these people turn being stacked. Huh. Right? Yeah. So very, very frightening, very dark. That's yeah. the only part of those theories that I really go like. Yeah. He definitely, in terms of the, the composition of those right. scenes, right. he's replacing the people with the stacks. of Right. That sounds kind of obvious. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. Yeah. No, completely. Uh, there's also a uh, can of calumet mm-hmm. in the pantry. Yeah. Calumet is a, is a word that means peace pipe. Yeah. And at first, in the beginning of the movie, all the cans are facing the camera perfectly. By the end of the movie, when Jack is trapped in the pantry, yeah. they're all turned away. Yeah. Perhaps signifying... That the peace pipes, mm-hmm. uh, the peace has now been yeah. transformed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another fact, right? Like, isn't there footage of him turning around the cans in the beginning to like... Interesting. Right? Isn't there? I've heard that. Maybe I've just read that or something. Maybe I haven't seen it. I'm not saying it's not true. Yeah. I'm just saying I can't verify it and I've yeah. heard that. Yeah, like that That yeah. he was specifically um, in one of the earlier scenes turning the cans to make sure that Calumet was facing right. out yeah so that would but yeah i don't know maybe that's i don't know i don't know there might be similar theories about him uh, arranging some of the cans of tang in the pantry uh-huh because there are many uh-huh which, yeah uh-huh let's talk about the, yep. the lunar landing it, let's talk about the aircraft in the room yeah yeah there is a big big theory yeah that stanley kubrick is both admitting to uh-huh happy having helped the u.s government fake the moon landing yeah. uh, in The Shining yeah. and sort of apologizing for it and sort of trying to tell his side of the story. Right. This is loaded. You can see the strings, people. This is, this is what you might call the big one. Yeah. All right. There is a, a very famous scene in The Shining 
where Danny, mm-hmm. the young boy, is sitting on the carpet in the middle of the hall, yeah. playing with toys, and a ball, seemingly coming from nowhere, rolls up to him. Mm-hmm. And he looks at the ball, and then he stands up, and we have this shot of Danny standing in the hallway wearing a blue sweater yeah. with a pattern on it of the Apollo 11 spaceship. Yeah. Now, not only is he wearing a an actual sweater of the the rocket that we supposedly yeah. launched to the moon, what he is sitting on that carpet, yeah. the pattern of it is this sort of like runway that then opens up into almost like what looks like a cul-de-sac. Mhm. And there are many people who say that that carpet is meant to look like the launch pad yeah. of the rocket. Yeah. So you have this boy who represents the rocket standing up off the launch pad. Mm-hmm. So good. The rocket is going to the moon. Yeah. Uh, and then where does Danny go? He goes into room 237. Hmm. Room 237. Not only is that where Miss Massey, <laughs> her ghost resides, decaying in the tub, but... It's different from what Stephen King wrote. Kristen, in the novel of The Shining, the evil room in the hotel is room 217, not 237. Why would Stanley Kubrick change something so arbitrary for his silly little movie? Kristen, the answer will alarm you. (laughs) I'm ready. Did you know that the moon is 237,000 miles away from the Earth? Of course I did. Did you know that it's actually closer to 239,000 miles away? No. Yeah, so people try to say that it's that's supposed to represent the measurement, the yeah. distance from the Earth to the moon, and Danny going into that room yeah. is going to the moon. That's like last week with people saying that the coordinates from Close Encounters of the Third kind lead to the Denver airport, but it's actually 51 miles away. Yeah. I yeah. bite my tongue when yeah. you were saying that. Cause <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that is, is not true. Yeah. Uh, at, at all. Mm-hmm. However, a person in the room two third room two, three, seven documentary, who's telling the moon landing. Theory, yeah. Says the following. I'm ready. I, I love this. And it's a little bit, there's a little bit of like patting myself on the back. Uh-huh. You'll understand in a moment. I think okay. I've said this in several places. Okay. I'm going to repeat it again here. Uh, all right. When Danny's going to room 237, yeah. the key mm-hmm. for the room is in the lock yeah. on the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, previously, the room had been locked mysteriously. Now the key is in there. Yeah. And the door's a bit ajar. Yeah. How inviting. The key is still in the lock. Hanging from it is a little key tag. It's a red key tag, and it says room number 237, mm-hmm. R-O-O-M-N-O-237. Yeah. Here comes what somebody said in the documentary. There are only two words you can come up with that have those letters in them, room and moon. <laughs> My God. But Kristen, they should have checked their research. Yeah, no, I know. You can also spell moron. Yep. <laughs> that is a joke that I've said too many times to count. No, it's still fresh. Now, but I mean, for real. I like, know. You it, can't go around ridiculous. saying something outlandish. It's like, just not there are true. Two words. Like, that's not true. No. That's not true at all. So weird. What a maroon. Yeah. It's just an outlandish thing to say. It is. Preposterous. I agree. Even. It's not even outlandish. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. It's brazen. Yeah, it's brazen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? 
It was his hubris that led to his downfall. In the end. He left an opening for In the him. end. Yeah. I'll make that moron joke again. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Stop. I'll be I'll be saying it to the grave. Um so for some reason there are people that say that room two three seven represents the soundstage yeah. where the moon landing was faked. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand beyond saying that. Yeah. Remind me, is there any why that's the case? Okay, yeah. No, I don't know. Like, is Miss Massey the decaying woman? Like the moon? Because <laughs> <laughs> there are craters on the moon. Fuck me, baby. <laughs> Jack, no. Ooh, gross. I know. I like it. Add it to the theory. Yeah. The craters on the moon. Miss Massey's decaying. She is the moon. Yeah. Jack mm-hmm. might represent an astronaut. Yeah. Who goes to the moon and, and hugs, hugs it. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that even more. Yeah. Uh, some of the other things that people say to back up this theory, they say that the dead twins, mm-hmm. Delbert slash Charles Grady's daughters, mm-hmm. who took apart with an axe, yeah. represent the failed Gemini missions. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. Why? Yeah. Twins. There's two of them. Yeah. And tw- Yeah, I guess Gemini twin. Yeah. All right. That feels a little bit better. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But I was like... Why? Just like finding something that there are two of? You're like, what, what are you talking about? But no, <laughs> it's still kind of the same twin thing. Gemini. Yeah. That makes more sense. I mean, I guess I don't know how many Gemini missions there were. So I was assuming there were two because there were two girls. But it's, well, I guess no, it's but more like Gemini is, is signified by twins and two things. I know. I think yeah. that's the only thing. Yeah. I'm saying I thought the connection oh, was I see. two I gotcha. Gemini missions, two girls. I gotcha. But I don't even know how many Gemini missions right, there were. Right, right, right. I gotcha. I don't know stuff. Yeah. Um,. And then people say that Jack's rant to Wendy uh-huh. when uh, she tells him to like stop writing or something and he starts going like, do you have any idea what responsibility is? Did it even occur to you for one second that I have obligations to my employer? And he starts freaking out yeah. that those are Stanley Kubrick's feelings uh-huh. about having had to force uh-huh. the moon landing for the government. Yeah. He had obligations. So to front project the moon. <laughs> There's a whole thing about front projection or something. Yeah, what? Okay. That's like the way it was filmed. Or okay, yeah. All right. Those are the, the broad, big, bad yeah. theories. I've got two bonus ones. Yeah. Teeny tiny. Please. Don't, won't take but a moment. No. They I love The Shining. Perhaps a, a bits and bobs section. If, oh, if perfect. That were a thing that existed. Do I have that for I do, okay. You do? Yeah. Amazing. There's only one thing on it. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait. No, there's two. A crystal yeah. classic. Yeah. So, uh, in the Shining novel, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Torrance and his family drive a red Volkswagen Bug. Yeah. In the movie The Shining, there's this uh, amazing helicopter tracking shot yeah. of this car driving through the, the mountains, going to the hotel. Well, Salisbury Hill plays oh, yeah. by Peter Gabriel. <laughs> That's right. Shining. <laughs> a lovely story about a man who loves his family. <laughs> there's like one, of the, I don't know what you call that, where they- Fake trailer. Yeah, a fake trailer where they make the shiny look nice and they, they're playing Salisbury Hill. It's yeah. just really funny. Awesome. Yeah. So the Volkswagen bug is yellow. Mm-hmm. Arbitrary change? No. <laughs> Nothing is. Later in the movie, uh, uh, Doc Halloran yeah. is, no, Dick Halloran, he calls Danny Yeah. Buck, oh, yeah. Is driving up to the Overlook in a snowstorm. Uh huh. And there's an 18 wheeler that has turned over and crushed a car. Yeah. What car has it crushed? A, a red, red Volkswagen? Volkswagen bug. That's interesting. It is, and I firmly believe this. Yeah. It is Stanley Kubrick's deliberate uh-huh. message yeah. 
I am not doing the Stephen King story. That's right. I yeah. am taking that work and adapting it for my own purposes. Right. We will we will squash that. Right. We're doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. It also feels a little bit like a joke of like a, I'm squashing a bug. Yeah. But oh yeah. But that's a little close to paper tray. Yeah. It's a yeah. joke. Yeah. Come on, Why people. Why didn't you laugh when you saw it and thought about squishing a bug? That guy's so much. You guys should watch the documentary just for that part. It's in the beginning. Yeah. You should really watch the whole oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So uh, and then I remember when that came out. I I heard about it coming out and I was really pumped about it. And I knew it was like an indie documentary. So I was like really ready to have to like, I don't know, I wouldn't drive somewhere crazy far, but I was like, okay, I'm going to drive, you know, to some little theater somewhere. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, it's on Netflix. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's easy. I remember it was around the same time as this documentary called The Source Family that came out about this cult in the 60s. And it was the same deal where I was like, oh, I have to see The Source Family. I'll do what I can. And I was like, oh, it's, it's on Netflix or iTunes. This is huh. perfect. Yeah. So, I, you know, we don't get into this much, but, you know, it is weird that you and I, Grew up together, but you have an accent. What she was saying was the sauce family. Oh, God. Now that's a joke that I came up with. Source sauce. The sauce family. Oh my God. Anyway, I have a bonus <laughs> shining theory that I came up with. Okay. Oh, cool. There are a lot of people that say that uh, Jack Nicholson, after he played Jack Torrance, and yeah. got really sort of like crazy with it, Wendy. Yeah. And then obviously he had his famous turn as the Joker. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, seemed to be playing Jack Nicholson. Like he'd always <laughs> yeah. be a little more out there than his previous roles. Yeah. Like in a lot of his roles, he was really kind of sarcastic and tough. Yeah. But after that, he was very sort of like malevolent and wild. Yeah. Oh, like in, um, what's that movie called? Um, a Few Good Men. Oh, that's so good. It is so good. I love that movie. That's a great movie. And he's great in it. He's you like bar- me on that he's wall. barely in it too. But he makes he, an impression. Oh, he sure does. When yeah. he flips on that um that stand in court, like there's a reason that that's an iconic line. Yeah. It is so good. There's only there's only one poor moment in that movie when what? he's caught, he's stopped and he goes, <laughs> "This is funny." This oh is real yeah, that's funny. so weird. You're making me laugh. And it's like what? what that's that's a really weird read. Yeah, th- but uh, I don't know how you could read it to make it better. I don't think I it don't was know. really his fault. It's like what a weird thing to have someone say. Your next line is you're really angry about this. You have to say this is really funny. Yeah, I guess you're making me laugh, Buster. <laughs> what yeah, the hell he says. All right, anyway. Yeah. So the theory is as follows. Yes. Jack, over the course of The Shining, uh-huh. is meant to transform from, like, definitely a dude with a ton of issues. Right. But attempting to be a family man uh-huh. to then becoming some form of, like, possessed, demonic, yeah. murderous, yeah. malcontent. Yeah. <laughs> Good word. A malcontent. High scorer in Scrabble. Yeah. Ooh, I would imagine. Mm. So... This seems to be uh, the the turn in his persona is when he goes into room 237, sees Miss Massey, uh-huh. comes out, he gets shunned by his family, goes hog wild. Yeah. Well, what's the color scheme of room 237? A lot of greens and purples. I hereby theorize Jack Nicholson went <laughs> oh into room 237. <laughs> and the Joker came out. I really wanted to say that part. Oh, I'm sorry. I was real I was building up to only saying that part. Reset it. Okay. Jack Nicholson went into the room and the Joker came out. He came out a whole new door. <laughs> <gasps> William. 
I think we found something. I think we found the perfect theory. I think we found something. Call here. it a wrap, everybody. Yeah. Sequel to Room 237. <laughs> and it's just like a five minute update with that. Theory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going out a whole new door. <laughs> uh, for the record, that is a, obviously a joke theory. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know. Okay. I just want to make sure. Okay. That people don't think I actually right, think that. right. I understand. Just uh, making sure. Yeah. If anybody is a fan of the group Mega Sixty Four, mm-hmm. they did a whole thing before the movie Suicide Squad was coming out about Joker updates. Uh-huh. All this marketing about how Jared Leto was like, he sent a dead rat to Octavia Spencer. He changed. Is Octavia? Did you just pull that out of your ass? Isn't that her name? Who are you thinking of? Margot Robbie? No. Is Octavia Spencer? From how in... to commit mur- a murder or something? Oh, Viola Davis. Viola Davis. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. He changed the phone wallpaper uh, of one of the cast members to just say disconnect. And on Mega Sixty Four, wait, were, really? I didn't hear that yes. one. Oh yeah, so evil. Look up Mega Sixty Four and the word the words Joker update. They're so funny. They talk about all the uh, horrendously obnoxious marketing around that movie to try to make it seem like Jared Leto was going to the dark side somehow. Yeah, and really becoming him. Yeah, and it seems to be because you know all the rumors about Heath Ledger having holed up in a right. Uh, motel for a month to right. try to become the Joker. Right. So now all of a sudden Warner Brothers is trying to be like, do you think uh, Jared Leto so did Jared Leto literally became the Joker? And Mega 64 caught on to what they were doing, just started giving updates and being like, oh my gosh, do you think do you think he would change Batman's phone wallpaper? <laughs> like and being like, what famous Batman story is it where he mails people dead mice? Like what, is, just, what is this supposed to be? It's just Joker trickery, William. Yeah. He's an anarchist. But anyway, I came up with my own. Jack Nicholson went into room 237. The Joker came out. And it does hold true. That room scheme is green and purple. I feel very good I about remember. it. I feel very good about that it. That is very good. Anyway. Do you feel good about the fact that Jared Leto also disappeared into the role of Mark David Chapman and he got gout? What are you talking about? Okay. There was a movie that flopped. Um, however long ago, I don't know how long ago, called Chapter 27. That was about Mark David Chapman who killed John Lennon. It was Jared Leto and Lindsay Lohan. Jared Leto gained a lot of weight rapidly to play Mark David Chapman and as a result got gout. Wow. He was so dedicated. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny to me. Gout, uh, gout just seems like a disease that it, I'm sure people do, so it's probably not funny. But I'm sure it sucks. To but... me, that sounds like a disease that only happened to a while ago yeah, just that like stupid. sailors get or something Sounds stupid i know gave himself gout yeah you've heard the i'm sorry if you have about, gout you've heard the stories i think it was about uh it was about like who's the guy who played a nice man who walked around in the desert for a long time a nice man who walked around in the desert for a long time michael fassbender styled his hair after him in the movie prometheus i can't think of his name doesn't I have matter no idea anyway, what you're talking it's like about a classic classic movie actor was in a movie with Lawrence Dennis. of Arabia? Yeah. Okay. Okay. The guy who played Lawrence. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, you know, God. Lawrence. I, I know who that... Oh, man. I got to look it up. I mean, I know who it is, but I can't think of the name. Anyway. Yeah. That man, classic film actor, was in a movie with Dustin Hoffman, I want to say. Uh-huh. And Dustin Hoffman was supposed to be playing like a drug addict. So he showed up to set one day, and uh, Dustin Hoffman was all strung out looking. Uh-huh. Do you have his name yet? Almost. Uh, Lawrence. Is it Peter O'Toole? No. Whatever. Forget it. Anyway, Dustin Hoffman had like, he was like, yeah, I haven't slept in like 15 days and I haven't been bathing and I don't eat anymore. <laughs> and the, the like trained actor went, 
<laughs> have you tried acting, my dear boy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard that. A little bit of that. Maybe hey, it's Jared. Um, maybe it's Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> maybe it's not. Olivier. Okay, because I just realized that story isn't a Lawrence. Is a Lawrence of Olivier? I mean, God damn it, Lawrence of Olivier. It was Lawrence Sir Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawrence Olivier said that cool thing. He should say it to Jared Leto. That is totally awesome. I, I think that he Jared. should. Anyway, all right. Those are some shining, crazy stories that we will never know the real answer to. Yeah, that rules. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to take you back in time. Oh. Well, I guess that was back in time as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Further back in time? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> It'd be awesome if you like, no, closer to now. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, in yeah. fact. Um, I'm going to talk to you about the death of Edgar Allan Poe. Ooh, oh. Do you know much about that? Mm. Ah. I know very, very little. Okay. I'm very Guess intrigued. what? We all know very, very little is the thing. Uh-huh. And when you guys listen to this episode, if you're listening to it on the Friday that it comes out, I will be in Richmond, Virginia on that day, which is where Edgar Allan Poe lives, and I will be going to the Edgar Allan Poe Museum on that very day that you listen to this. Awesome. You got to try to do some sort of like a review of the museum. Yeah. Live stream from outside. I'm sure I'll do something unless I feel too weird. Yeah. Well, We'll unless you just don't want to. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, if you're in the mood and if you've got anything to say, you should do it like a little like standing here outside the Oklahoma museum. Yeah. It's a bright day. (laughs) It's a pretty cool museum. The Ravens are out in droves. (laughs) Um, Love it. Yeah. So, okay. So, In 1849, Edgar Allan Poe left his home in Richmond, Virginia to go to Philadelphia to edit some poems for a woman. That was a a job he was taking on. He was already, you know. Edgar Allan Poems. They were Edgar Allan Poems. Yeah, I want to think about that. Um, He was obviously already a successful and famous author and editor. He wrote articles for stuff. He was famous Edgar Allan Poe by this point. Okay. Um, So he went there and he never made it there. Oh. Then a week after he had left, so he should have already been in Philly by this point, he was found lying in a gutter in, where the hell was he? Oh, man. Oh, in Baltimore. In Baltimore. He was. (laughs) In Baltimore? Yeah. (gasps) Baltimore. No, I'm going to Baltimore semi-frequently. Oh, really? Yeah, I have a secret job now. Yeah. (laughs) I can kind of. How frequently will you be going? Not infrequently. Not not so much that it'll be like, oh, I'm driving to Baltimore all the time. Yeah. But like, yeah, I'll, I'll have to make some trips. Maybe yeah. I'll go to where Edgar Allan Poe died. Yeah, you could. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it was in Baltimore. Um, do you want to talk about your secret job? <laughs> no, I have a secret job. I'm okay. working on something that I've specifically been told to tell people is a secret. Oh, okay, okay. That is my job now. It's a secret. Cool. Yeah. I didn't realize they told you to, to keep it a secret. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I know the secret too. I've always wanted to have a secret job. That's so awesome. Yeah. I guess I figured that your, you know, what your job was was not secret, but the specific, the specifics of well, it were I secret. I never spoke about what my job had been on any show. Yeah. But I no longer work for that company. Mm-hmm. Now I work for a company doing something specifically secret. And very cool. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, sorry, guys. I'm sure you'll find out sooner or later. I work for Hunter Killer now. Yeah. Okay, that's what I wanted to see if you wanted to say. But I'm doing something secret. It's not what you'd expect. If you're familiar with yeah. the company Hunter Killer, I'm not doing what you might think. Right. You wouldn't at all. No. I'm I don't doing, even know. I don't think you could guess it. I'm doing something secret. Yeah. Anyway. And William works for Hunter Killer now. It's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. Actually, as this episode drops, it is the la- my last day yeah. of 
my job job. Mm-hmm. Old job. And on Monday, I will be starting my official first day. He's going to be a hunter boy. Hunter boy. Yeah. Okay. But it'll be a secret. Right. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, in Baltimore, your new work buddy, um, he's found lying in a gutter, delirious, wearing someone else's clothes. You can tell because he was known. Well, I don't even know if he was known for it, but like he was always dressed kind of well. Yeah. And he's wearing shabby, weird clothes, basically. And this guy came across him and brought him to a hospital. And he died four days later. Oh, so, so he was alive when he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was alive, and he just was like making no sense, incoherent, like just you know out there. Wow. All right, that's already more than I knew because yeah. I think all I knew was that he was like found dead Mm-mm. on a park bench or something. No, no. Okay. Um. So he he went to the hospital and said that he was just like moving between fits of delirium and hallucinations and just saying things that didn't make sense basically. And um, the night before his death, his physician said that he kept calling out for Reynolds. And nobody knows who Reynolds is. And the physician also said that his final, his final words were, Lord, help my poor soul. Mm. But the physician isn't that credible. His story kept changing. Oh, great. So, what he said was, <laughs> um, um, quote the raven, here I go. Here I go. Watch me go. <laughs> no, what he said was, and here I lie evermore. Nope. What he said be was, nevermore. may the raven's wing carry me home. Home. Yeah. So all of it, you, there's just like nothing that's. The reporter's like, what? Yeah, what? Whoa, okay. okay. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what happened? What was going on? Here are some theories. One of the theories is that he was beaten. Um, like beaten to death, basically. Oh. A lot of these theories, it's like, like with a lot of other things. You're like, but what if? Yeah. Or but what about? And then the whole thing falls apart. Sure. So the idea that he was beaten um, comes from two articles that were published about his death. Um, one in 1867, um, which was, you know, obviously a few years later, and one in 1872. One article, the earlier one, said that he may have insulted a woman in a bar and then ruffians beat him up in revenge. Oh. And then the other one said that he basically just like got drunk, got jumped, got, well, got drunk, got jumped in the street and robbed and wow. beaten and that it caused all sorts of damage or something. But why is he wearing rando clothes then? Yeah. And also there's just no hard evidence for that, basically. It's a theory for why he would have landed in bad condition. Right. But it's, it doesn't yeah. cover other things. Like, why would that make him delirious for days? I mean, I guess you could damage something in your brain that way. Sure. It's just, it doesn't. Yeah. Now, this next theory sounds crazy, but it's the most, it's the theory that's given the most credence, basically, even though it sounds out, it sounds nuts, but it's a thing that actually would happen. So there was something back then called cooping. And when he was found in that gutter, he was found right by a polling station on an election day. And this thing called cooping was where, um, and the person who found him was on their their way to the polls. It was like bustling and busy and everything, and he's in this gutter. Is it like so, uh, like an old world version of planking? <laughs> yes, or owling or whatever. Owling. What was it called? You know what I mean? Hooting. What was it? Where people just like perch? What was that called? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like what? Do you know what I'm talking about? Batmanning. No, it would be pretend to be an owl. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
like crouched on like a corner of a building or something. Yeah. I feel like I heard that as being manning because you're like, I don't know. I think you're being an owl. Well, who the hell knows? I don't know. Um, Teenagers in 2014. (laughs) If you're in 2014 and you're a teenager, (laughs) let us know what you did. Do do better than than owling. I bet it's not called that. (laughs) Okay, so this thing called cooping. This is crazy. This is a real thing. So gangs who were associated with a politician or wanted a politician to get into office or any position for, you know, certain reasons. It would sometimes even be like, I think, low-level offices. We're not even talking about, like, senators. This is, you know... Um, they would kidnap people and force them to go vote for who they wanted for, however they coerce them or, you know, whatever, then disguise them, change their clothes, do whatever to send them back to do it again. And they'd make a person go again and again to vote because I guess they didn't have, you know, an ID system at that time. So you got cooped. So that's actually the theory that seems to make the most sense, which is crazy. Um, because number one, it would account- that was a thing that happened around that time. It was a common thing. Yeah. It would account for why he was wearing different clothes and actually would account for um, maybe some beating up sort of thing, which could have damaged him, and also maybe drunkenness. Because at that time, alcohol was given to you after you voted. It's kind of like a celebratory thing. Like, not a ton, but they'd be like, here's a drink. Bring that back. And, Let's and get if the voting numbers up. I know. And if they're sending you over and over and over again, you could get pretty wasted. Plus, that folds into um, kind of a, a another point or just, just kind of another feature in this story about a ground poem drinking. So he was known to have problems with drinking and there was a little bit of a special circumstance because he actually had like a really low alcohol tolerance. Like his sister had it as well. It was kind of like a weird genetic thing. So he did have a problem with drinking, but it's not necessarily that he was like, I don't know. I guess it's the same kind of thing. Basically it's the same, it's the same end. Right. But it, it was that he would have like, a glass of champagne and be like totally messed up. So if they were forcing him to vote again and again, and if he already has a proclivity toward drinking and he does it like that could account for him all being messed up. So weirdly that seems like the most likely theory of what happened to him, even though it sounds so out there. I know that I've never heard of this. Me neither. I looked it up on Wikipedia while you were talking. Mm -hmm. Uh, A form of electoral fraud in the United States during the 19th century by which unwilling participants were forced to vote sometimes several times over. Yeah. And then in the Wikipedia for Cooping, Edgar Allan Poe is thought to have been the victim of Cooping before his mysterious death. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, like, yeah. It's treated, I mean, they're not saying it's a fact, right. obviously, but it's like, it's that sort of, mm-hmm. Cooping is so much a fact that it has its own Wikipedia. Yeah. And this theory of Edgar Allan Poe is part of it. Right. That's wild. Yeah, I had never heard of that before. I, yeah. Sometimes the victims will be forced to wear disguises such as wigs, fake beards, or mustaches to prevent them from being recognized. Yeah. Oh, uh, what? I mean, that that feels, that first one you said about uh-huh. like maybe insulted a lady at, at a bar mm-hmm. and then got roughed up, whatever. Yeah. It's like, that's the theory that makes it feel sort of classically criminal. Right. Like he was he was beaten to death by hooligans or yeah. something. Maybe they, well, whatever. But it doesn't tick all the boxes, like you said. Right. This is the one that like feels like in an episode of House mm-hmm. when, yeah. when they're like, you know what? I, I think that he's probably got some like autoimmune disease. And then House is like, wait, have you been eating more carrots than the normal person? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it turns out that this outlandish thing checks all the boxes. Yeah. This sounds outlandish, but it's also the one that makes you go like, well, that accounts for everything. Right. 
Right. Exactly. Interesting. It's it's crazy. Um, so some of the other theories are more commonplace, like illnesses and things like that that could have come up. Like um, I'm trying to think, illnesses of the day, like uh, pneumonia, things like that that I guess could make you delirious. Maybe a brain tumor. Yeah. Um, one of them that is is really interesting, and again doesn't doesn't check check all the boxes, so I don't think it's the case. But the story behind it is interesting. Is a theory that he had rabies which came about more in the modern era because, and I don't even totally understand the story. I feel like there's something missing from it. It sounds almost like a weird, like dork medical urban legend to tell you the truth. So there was a doctor who, you know, when you see on TV, I'm sure in real life, but I don't know. I've seen it on TV when they give a case study and it'll be like, so, okay. So this doctor was given a case study and said the initials were EP and that he was a writer from Richmond or whatever. And then, and the guy didn't, you know, think of it being a grandpa or anything. And he was reading the symptoms of whatever was going on. And he was like, oh, this guy has rabies. And then he found out that it was a grandpa. Right. So then they said maybe that could have contributed to his death or some sort of um, I mean, degeneration in the brain or yeah, something like that. Like, yeah. If you read about what happens if you get right. rabies, it's like you won't sleep. Right. It's it's terrifying. And it could have given you him brain damage and things that could yeah. have added to that delirium. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's kind of like all of these in- things intersecting. Yeah, sure. Maybe he had rabies and he got cooped. Yeah. Maybe he had, I mean, who, we just don't he really know. A lady in a bar? Yeah, he totally could have been. Know. Yeah. Uh, I got a stupid joke I want to make. Please. Uh, his initials are the sound you make when you read his scary stories. Eepy. Eep. <laughs> oh, not eepy. Yeah, what's eepy? You're, just, you're so scared. Uh... <laughs> And then they found the guy under the floorboards. Eep. <laughs> right? Have yeah, it's perfect. Have you ever made that joke before? Edgar no. Po, his initials are the sound you make when you read his stories. <laughs> what? You heard me, and I won't repeat myself. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you if it says anything about that in the Edgar Po Museum when Eep. I go. Eep. Yeah. I like that. It's good. that specifically. I will. And if it's not there. Maybe I'll make the joke to somebody there. If it's not there... Get a napkin, write that, and then just try to put it in a display. Yeah. <laughs> just we want to shove that this. napkin into the glass display case. No, we, we haven't really done enough what? of, and we've already brought it up twice this episode, uh-huh. trying to become part of Legends. <laughs> like, contributing to them. Yeah. And, like, inserting ourselves into the story. <laughs> like, why aren't we doing that? Well, How would we do that, though? Like, Start telling people that, you know... the. Jack Nicholson went into room 237, the Joker came out, <laughs> that Edgar Allan Poe's initials are the sound you make when you read his story, that's, which takes a long time to say. That's not really inserting yourself into the yeah. legend. That's still just commenting on the right, legend. Well then, here's what it is. People out there that are watching or listening to this show. Oh, we become an authority on it? Yes. They have to yeah, 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 yeah. This program. That I am into. And, and you know, say that like spectral, spectral uh, analysts, yeah. Will Rogers and Kristen Anderson. Yeah. Uh, have been saying online that eep is the sound you make. <laughs> it takes so long to. There's so many clauses to that. Edgar Allan Poe, comma. I know it takes a long time. His initials are the sound you make when you read his stories. There's so much that takes so long to say. It fills the whole. And the person zones out while you're saying it. Yeah. Like what? I'm tired. Yeah. By the fourth word. <laughs> yeah, totally. Eep. Eep. And, he, and then he, he he put his cask in the Amontillado, you might say. Eep! 
was you put his cat you put his cask in the Amontillado, the end of an Edgar Allan Poe story is at the end of the cask of Amontillado. In my reboot. <laughs> yeah. I try to spice it up. Has there there should be a movie for I'm sure there's something, but for the cask of Amontillado. Someday people are gonna realize that just like the Agatha Christie Hercule Poirot yeah. universe. Yeah. Which they're making a sequel right now. Uh-huh. Somebody people are gonna be like we should be plumbing the depths of the Edgar Allan poster. We right should now. be. There was only that weird John Cusack movie. Oh, by the way, <laughs> we mentioned Edgar Allan Poe's at some point recently on the show. Uh-huh. And I only looked up pictures of John Cusack <laughs> as Edgar Allan Poe and put them in the video. And I was hoping that anybody would comment and be like, why didn't you use real pictures of him? <laughs> That's really I funny. deliberately, specifically only used John Cusack. What did we say about Edgar Allan Poe? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. But it's all just him brooding. <laughs> God. That's so weird. That's so weird. Have you heard stories about like how strange John Cusack is? Like somebody asked, um, what was it? I think they asked Danny Trejo. Steven Seagal. It was Steven Seagal? Steven Seagal like I think. I who think. who they were most scared. No, it was on the set of Con Air. It was like, who who are you most scared of? In the cast, and they expect maybe it was somebody who they asked and they expect him to say Danny Trejo or they expect him to say Nicolas Cage or something. And whoever it was was like John Cusack. Yeah. There's like something not right behind his eyes. Yeah. I think he's it was Danny like, Trejo saying it about like John Cusack. Eyes. Yeah. People say he's a, like a sociopath. Yeah. And he's a kickboxer or something. Not that you'd know it to the, look at him. There's something about him that is freaky. There is. Yeah. I wa- he's in the movie Stand By Me, which I just watched for the first time the other night. Uh-huh. He plays the older brother of one of the kids, and he's dead before like the movie even starts. Like, uh-huh. Like, spoiler, it's the premise. Uh-huh. And he's in a scene talking to his little brother. He has the smallest mouth. <laughs> his mouth is like so this? tiny, and his lips are cherry red. Ew, I don't like real red lips. And he's like tousling his brother's hair and just being like, come on, scamp. <laughs> Open your mouth. Open Was Stand By Me good? That's what I've heard. That's one of the movies that like my friends get mad at me for not having seen. I know. Yeah. I know. We finally went ahead and did it. Yeah. Uh, it's about a group of kids that find out there's a dead body. Yeah. So they want to go see it. Yeah. Whole movie. It sounds sweet. Really weird. It's like, is it sad? There's some sad stuff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We also watched The Goonies. Uh, it's another one that my friends and I disagree. <laughs> I hated it so much. Yeah. Same. I didn't finish it when I tried to watch it. I don't think I could have hated it more. Yeah. It, did you watch the whole thing? Oh, yeah. It costs less to rent yeah. than most movies. <laughs> I think there's a reason. Why. It's value. I'm it's based on value. Most movies on like Amazon, they cost like $3.99 or something to rent the HD version. Yeah. $1.99. William, no, people love Goonies. It's not because they're trying to Why give it away. Cheaper? I have no idea because they're trying to be nice and give people a classic for cheap. It was horrible. People love it. One of the loudest movies I've ever seen. Chunk. Yeah. Un- Believably, I think we talked about this on the show. I think, right? Hey, you guys, where are we gonna go? What, what do you think they did? Do you have a baby Ruth? Huh? He's just screaming the whole time, and they're all talking over each other. Yeah, it was specifically a thing that used to happen in like 80s, 90s Steven Spielberg movies uh-huh. where kids had a lot of gadgets they built. Uh-huh. So there's a kid who his belt buckle flips open and it shoots a suction cup out of it. And it can attach to things and it can repel down walls from it. And he has a boxing glove on a spring. And it punches a guy in the face. And they literally film the guy reacting by shaking his head. And they put the yodi 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 sound effect over it. It's so annoying. It's like when Hook, they're shooting guns that fire eggs. And they have (laughs) chickens on tap that are laying eggs into the gun. Oh, yeah. To create more ammo. And they just have like... 
this that's great idea that children wish that they could build complex gadgets. <laughs> I never did. I don't know what happened to him in the late eighties, early nineties. I don't know what was wrong with Steven Spielberg, <laughs> but thank God he doesn't do that anymore. I, I don't understand. Like no oh one's shooting God. plunger guns in movies anymore, and that's a big step up. I didn't know that that was a thing in the Goonies. It was, there's so much of it. Kristen, I just know that it's gross and annoying. Kristen, there's so much of it. The Ugh. kid that plays short round in Indiana Jones 2. Oh, yeah. Hold on to your potatoes. Hold on to your potatoes. Yeah. He is in the movie. His name is Data. Uh-huh. And he is an inventor. And he wears a trench coat that has a ton of gadgets in it. And he's like, <laughs> that sounds... oh, I've got to get my blinders. And then he has two giant flashlights that come from his side and blind people. I'm like, are you trying to make me? Are you trying to make me believe that he had those the whole time? Because he obviously, absolutely <laughs> did not. It is so annoying, and he has shoes that shoot slippery goo. <laughs> people are walking behind him. They'll whoa, whoa, whoa. They'll slip, and he like realizes like he's like, oh, I'm surprised. I'm covered in gadgets. He'll he'll be, he's like walking across what? a log over a lake, and he's like. He's like trying to cross them like, Data, come on, keep keep walking. He goes, oh, my slippery shoes. I should use them. He hits buttons that like make cartoon sound effects and then puts the slipper goo. It sounds so weird. It's the most annoying movie I've ever seen. I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it. Sloth, throw mama's in it. She's great. Although, I you know, I have to admit, the movie sucks. And... Um, I'm just. I'm sorry. I know we're in the middle of your story, but I, I had to get that off my chest. I hate the Goonies so much. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> oh God! I don't know why it's so funny. Oh uh, well. Edgar Allan Poe was a yeah. notorious drunk, but was that earned? Uh, but was it earned? What do you mean? Was it earned? Should he have been labeled as such? Oh yeah. There's debate. William. <laughs> There's debate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. No, I loved it. Um, <laughs> he, sorry about that. <laughs> no, there's nothing to be sorry about at all. I lost control of myself for a moment. No, there's nothing to be sorry about. I had a great time. Um, okay. So he definitely had a problem with the drink. But in the last year of his life, he seemed to have really been fighting. He joined the the Brothers of the Temperance or something, <laughs> like okay. the Temperance movement. For, okay. for the last year before death, it does seem like he stumbled. But it also seems like he got kind of a bad rap. And people in his death really smeared him and made him out to seem... Uh, yeah, made him out to seem way more erratic and like he had more of a problem than it sounds like he may have actually had. Oh. Like the people close to him said that his drinking was an issue. Like he would sometimes do it when he shouldn't have done it or whatever, but it wasn't um, constant. It was okay. like every once in a while or something, which still isn't good, obviously. Right. But um, in his death, some people kind of took advantage of his dying to for their own gain in different ways. So 
when he was found in the gutter, um, the person who found him was like, is there anybody in Baltimore who you know who I should call or not call, but get, get in touch with who can help you? And he gave them, and I don't know how he knew this guy, but he gave the person who found him the name Joseph Snodgrass was somebody who he knew. So the guy wrote to Joseph Snodgrass and Joseph Snodgrass came or something. Hi, <laughs> Hi I'm Joseph Snodgrass, which is probably what he sounds like yeah, because definitely. then I wrote, he made a real meal out of the drinking thing. He was all about temperance, Joseph Snodgrass. He was like an activist for it. Okay. And he started touring around talking about how Edgar Allan Poe drank himself to death oh. to support the temperance movement which is opportunistic and gross. It is, even if it's true. Yeah, even if it's true. Yeah. yeah, it's just like a weird way to approach that. And then this is really odd and crazy. Like, this is brutal. So he had a rival, a writer rival, like enemies, um, whose name was Rufus Wil- Wilmot Griswold, which is a very 1800s name. Well, which one of them do we remember? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because this is... a a jerk move if I've ever heard one. Wait, what was his name? Rufus Wilmot Griswold. Rug. Rug. That's the sound you make when you read his story. <laughs> Not that Edgar Allan Poe wasn't great and probably better Rug. than him, but maybe, maybe we heard more about Edgar Allan Poe because his name rolled off the tongue a little yeah. bit better. <laughs> Not really though. But, um, so he wrote an obituary for, I should say, or about Edgar Allan Poe under a pseudonym because it was so libelous and brutal. He wrote this crappy obituary, which is written in very, like, 1800s language. It was very wordy, so I didn't even get into it. But calling him, like, a drunk and a madman and a drug addict and a selfish person who's all out for fame and his own gain. Crazy. I don't even know why they published it. Yeah. (laughs) That really puts the bitch in obituary. Yeah. Ooh, nice. And um, and just basically said he was depraved. And then later on, so I guess that was kind of scandalous. He later on expanded that into a biography of Poe that he wrote and just totally slandered him in this horrible biography. And it's basically said that that's a lot of where our idea of Edgar Allan Poe as being kind of like a kind of crazy, drunk, sort of addled, confused person comes from this guy's portrayal of him. It sounds like he had issues because yeah. um, his friends say he did have issues and stuff, but not to the degree that this guy painted him as having. So then this is very weird. Yeah. In a strange way, Edgar Allan Poe, whose work uh, has lived on to this day, mm-hmm. very famous, yeah. and he's known as like a master of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, his competitive guy yeah his legacy mm-hmm. the thing that he's remembered for mm-hmm. is the horrible reputation he gave edgar Allan poe right that, it's, isn't it i mean i think this guy's barely remembered i mean i never heard of him but his you know? work has lived on evidently if people if that interpretation of how oh edgar yeah poe yeah in a way yeah right like isn't mm-hmm. that kind of weird yeah his legacy is slandering yeah he was also simultaneously hailed as like a genius right that's that's what that man accomplished yeah cool legacy yeah um, so yeah, so basically that's, that's the stuff all around his death, um, and the circumstances after why we kind of have this idea of Edgar Allan Poe. I'm yeah. sure I'll learn more at the museum while you're listening to this. That's cool. Um, and now it's time for bits and bobs. You know what that means? Yeah. Sing a bits and bo- the bits and bobs theme song. <laughs> oh God. I, I thought of something immediately. Go for it. Does everybody know the song Bitty Bitty Bum Bum by Selena? 
A bitty bitty bop bop. A bitty bitty bop bop. A bitty 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 bop bop. <laughs> Do you know that song? No. <laughs> <laughs> well. But I bet it's. I hope somebody out there does. Number one on the charts. It was a hit. Right. I thought of it immediately. Well done. Thank you. Um, okay. So there are... <laughs> I, I love doing this show. Me too. It's really enjoyable. Me too. I know. This is great. I'm yeah. having so much fun. Good. Um, okay. So this is just weird. doesn't really have to do with his death. It's just after death kind of stuff that's strange. I'm just going to read it verbatim because that's what my plan was. I wrote, go to pics. Um... Poe was buried in an unmarked grave in his grandfather's plot in Westminster Burying Grounds in Baltimore. Eleven years later, a cousin paid for a monument, but the stone was destroyed by a train that crashed into the stone carver's shop. It was 26 years after Poe's death that teachers and students raised the money for a proper monument, which which was placed in a place of honor next to the cemetery gate. While it was being moved to the new location, Poe's coffin broke, revealing what was left of Poe's remains. Pieces of the coffin are now collector's items. Supposedly, one of Poe's female admirers wore a cross fashioned from pieces of the wood. Wow. Isn't that nuts? Um, wow. And then, um, okay, so Poe was was married at one point, and his wife died, I think, of tuberculosis. Okay. Um, and when he died, he was engaged. Um, so actually, that's a theory I forgot to mention. Um, and it's another theory that's just like, it seems like somebody just had an idea. There's, there's nothing to support it whatsoever. So he Poe was engaged to a really rich, rich woman who he was supposed to marry soon after he came back from his trip from Philly that he was okay. supposed to take. Um, so another theory that's out of nowhere is that her brothers didn't like Edgar Allan Poe and they, you know, yeah, they, well, no, they like found him somewhere and they're like, hey, you're not going to marry our sister and like beat him up. And the reason he was wearing secondhand clothes was because he was trying to disguise himself from the brothers. But then they eventually tracked him down and beat the hell out of him. And then, you know, whatever. It doesn't make any sense. He um, may have been a master of heart, but he wasn't a master of disguise. <laughs> no, it se- seems not yeah. in this fictional yeah, in this scenario. Definitely not true theory. <laughs> right. Um, so his his wife who had passed away is going to come up in this. And then I'm going to say something about his fiance um, in my next thing. Okay. So I just want to mention. Okay, so... Poe's wife was buried next to him nearly 40 years after her death. So the woman who he had actually married. Um, Poe's wife died two years before he did, and she was buried in his landlord's family crypt in the Bronx. After he was reburied under his new monument, some of his admirers decided to move her next to him in Baltimore. The problem was that developers had already built over her cemetery and moved the bodies, which is a weird thing. Fortunately, one of Poe's eccentric biographers, William Gill, rescued her bones. Unfortunately, he took them home with him and kept them in a box under his bed for years before he sent them to Baltimore for reburial. Come on. Yikesy, wakesy, William Gill. Bill Gill. Bill Gill. That's tough. No good. No. Yeah. Um, that's that's uh, shades of Dr. Tanvir. No. Ooh. Nope. Uh, Don't say Okay, okay. Wait. What's his name? You're close. Dr. Tanzler. Yeah. Dr. Tanzler. Carl, Carl Tanzler. Some of you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dr. Carl Tanzler. Yeah. Yeah. Look him up. Yeah, totally. And then the other thing was that um, his fiance, um, after he died, invited a medium to live with her 
because she believed that she could communicate with Poe that way. It was kind of during the spiritualist movement, which okay. we've talked about before. Sure. And I thought that that was interesting. That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Wild. Yeah. Wow. So another, that's the another, mystery around Edgar Allan Poe's death. Yeah, another mystery that we may never get a real answer I don't to. think that we will. Maybe a mystery to the end of our days. Yeah, totally. Cooping seems like a very strong... It opinion. sounds like it's cooping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris, I just want to throw this out there. We're at the please, end of the please. show, but um, I had opened up the Wikipedia for the John Cusack yeah. Edgar Allan Poe movie, which, by the way, is just called... Raven. Right. The Raven. Was this a passion project for him? Am I, am I remembering that right? Did he like have more of a hand in it in some way than just starring in? Maybe not. I, I mean, I don't know. He may have been like a producer. Oh, Luke Evans was in it. A younger Luke Evans. Huh. You know that is? Gaston. Yeah. And he's in The Alienist right now. Sure. Yeah. So I um, love Luke Evans. I think he's great. I hope he's in more things. I didn't read the full plot synopsis, yeah. Yeah. but I glanced at it and uh-huh. something jumped out at me. Okay. What was the name of uh, Edgar Allan Poe's rival? Who uh, slandered him in the obituary? Rufus Wilmot Griswold. Is he involved? Listen to this part of the of the plot synopsis. Okay. Spoilers for I'm the not movie The Raven starring John Cusack. Uh, <clears throat> After finding the body of Griswold, a rival of Poe, cut in half by a pendulum, <laughs> as in Poe's story, The Pit and the Pendulum, uh, the pair deduce that someone is staging murders based on Poe's stories. I mean, that sounds like a great movie. The filmmakers murdered Poe's rival in the movie. So he got a little revenge. Congratulations. Someone did. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like somebody really was like, Yeah. we will give him his undoing. Yeah. yeah. On celluloid. Yeah. Um, We'll exact Poe's revenge for him. They cut him in half. They cut Griswold in half. That's crazy. That's nuts. He sounds like a real jerk. I do not like this Griswold. Maybe it's time to watch this movie. I kind of want to. I mean, that sounds like a good concept, right? Doesn't that sound kind of sweet? It sounds like a, a fine enough concept. Like, I, I mean, it, it sounds, like sounds like a fun con. Not necessarily like that's a good quality movie, but like that sounds fun. You might be entertained for an hour and a half. Yeah, that sounds really fun that there's like, I don't know, somebody buried under a floorboard. Yeah. You know, can for we, uh, like the telltale heart. Can we just, do you care about spoilers for this? I want to no. see if, uh-uh. how they handle his death. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they only call him Edgar in this, which is weird. <laughs> Not weird. Like I feel like they would just keep calling him Poe or something, or Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, Poe seems being like Edgar walks over here. That's funny. I mean, I guess they probably called him Edgar. You know. Yeah. All right. It seems as though uh, Edgar Allan Poe, in order to save the love of his life, uh-huh. has to drink a vial of poison. Okay. Okay. Uh. Poe uses the last of his strength to tear up a false section of the floor and open a trap door leading to the prison of this woman. Uh-huh. This is. Uh, they share a poignant moment together before she's taken away in an ambulance. Delirious from the poison, Edgar wanders off to a park bench to die. Uh, a man walking in the park recognizes him as the famous writer and asks if he is all right. Poe can summon only enough strength to say, tell Fields... His last name is Reynolds. So in the movie, I guess they're saying that because he was yeah. mumbling about the name Reynolds, yeah. that's the name of the killer who I guess maybe gets away right. in this movie. Right. Uh, Weird. Later, when Fields, I don't know who that is, comes to view Poe's corpse at the hospital, the attending physician is unable to tell him the exact cause of death, but mentions that the writer was incoherent, insisting that, quote, his last name is Reynolds. Fields ponders the meaning of the phrase, slowly connecting the dots. 
Hmm. I'm sure we can connect dots as viewers. Yeah, I guess so. By that point. That's uh Interesting. It's interesting. They tried to huh. turn his final yeah. moments, his final mumbled slow yeah. words into a puzzle. I guess it's like historical fiction. Yeah. 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 I'm not against that. No, I'm not either. But seeing John Cusack... Act- it just seems like a bad movie is the thing. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. if, if we knew this was a good movie, I think I'd be like, ooh, that sounds sweet. I think... You know, why do I know it's a bad movie? I feel like I might have... Nah, I would have watched it all the way through just on principle. I would have watched I don't it know. every minute. I get maybe maybe it was just kind of known to be bad. The Raven received mixed to negative reviews from critics. It holds a 22% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I guess I was just aware that it was a stinker or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh, well. Uh, okay. Cool. All right. All right. The That's it. The Death of Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. And uh, The Shining. Uh, yeah. Kooky, weird stuff from The Shining. Yeah. Kooky uh, Kubri. <laughs> yeah. Kooky <laughs> Yeah. Thank you all so much yes, thank for stopping you. by our little clubhouse for mm-hmm. another terrifying episode of Guide to the Unknown. Yep. I believe this is actually the final episode we will be recording in this room. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep. Next week. Yeah. New set. New house. Whoa. Who knows what it'll look like? It probably won't be completely put together. Yeah. You only know if you're watching the YouTube version. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. But yeah, so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. For uh, checking out this episode of the mm-hmm. show. If you enjoyed it, please go out there and tell people please. Uh, about it. Yeah. Just spread the word. Just say, hey, I listened to something that was both funny and mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and there's a really great Goonies review. Yeah. Randomly in three quarters of the way in. Um, we would really appreciate that. Yes. We're a very small show. Mm-hmm. We rely very heavily on word of mouth yeah. from viewers, from listeners. Mm-hmm. So, That's all we uh, got. Yeah, please do consider <laughs> spreading the word. Yeah. Uh, you can also go to Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. in the app and give us a five-star review. Yep. We want to get those review numbers up. Yes, please. We greatly, greatly appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash gttupod yep. if you'd like to give a little something back. Yeah. Literally. Like uh, putting a little money in the tip yeah. jar at a Starbucks. Yeah, just you just enjoyed it. Yeah. Or on top of a piano player's piano who played a song that you like. Or on top of spaghetti covered with cheese. Yeah. And you put money on yeah. top of that. Uh, um, uh, check out Guide to the Unknown across all social media. Yep. That's uh, facebook.com slash gttupod. Mm-hmm. That's at gttupod on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. Um. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and you can find us online too. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Haunted Sponge. Uh, So come talk to us online. Send us your scary stories. If you've had any paranormal experiences. Yeah, we'd love to hear about it. Annabelle passed down through her family. Yeah. You can message them to us or email gttupod at gmail.com. Yep. They might end up on this very show. Mm -hmm. But that is the end. Mm -hmm. So until we meet again, friend. We must travel. Back to the netherworld. Go on. Go on.